Welcome to season three of Motivate Me. We invite you to travel the 50 states in 90 days as we interview people about their passion. Why? In order to inspire you to live a life that's more exciting or more meaningful. This is Motivate Me, and I'm Lynette Renda. Ladies and gentlemen, today our crew is in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I am lucky enough to be sitting here speaking with Jim Stovall. So first of all, welcome to the show, Jim. Well, thank you, and welcome to Tulsa. Thank you. It's been my first time here, so we'll have to see You know, if there's a good place to do lunch, maybe get into a little trouble after this. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm sure we can find that. So you know that I'm going around the country and my crew and I are interviewing people about their passions and we're really just trying to inspire my listeners to live a life that is more meaningful, more exciting, to enrich their lives. And that could be full-time, that could be part-time, right? Sure. Tell everybody what your passion is. Well, my passion is to make a difference. I do two things. Uh, you know, there was a very popular thing came out in corporate America several years ago, said every group has to have a mission statement. And uh, I don't know how important that is, but I think every person should have it. And, um, you know, mine came from my grandmother. She was born and raised in Missouri, never got outside of that state, and uh, never went anywhere, did anything. But she was an amazing lady, taught me many, many things. And late in her life, I went to visit her between a couple of my trips. and. Uh, you know, we had arranged for hospice in her home and we knew it was near the end of her time. And I got there and the nurse said she's already asleep and I was disappointed. I knew I'd see her in the morning. And the nurse said, she's so proud of you. And I said, I don't even think she knows what I do. And the nurse said, well, she has your picture right next to her bed there with your Emmy Award. And everybody that comes in this house, doctors, nurses, everybody, she tells them that's my grandson and he does two things. He helps blind people enjoy television and he travels around the world telling people they can have great things in their life. And that's, in essence, what I do. That's who I am and what I do. If I live to be 150 years old, that's what I will be doing. Um, as a blind person myself, I am very pleased and proud to be involved with a very talented group of people here. And we make movies and television and educational programming accessible for millions of people here in the United States and multiple millions more around the world. And I'm very proud of that, and then that has become my passion, but then through my books and the subsequent movies that have come out of my books and... Which uh, I know there's 30 books and six movies. Yes, and uh, you know, that gives me the opportunity to tell millions of more people that their passion is a reality. You know, we were all put on this earth with uh, that kind of passion, that burning desire, and you know, people always ask me, how do we get that? You were born with it. The, the problem is we cover it up, we bury it, and we ignore it. And, uh, but that's a natural state. If you have a three or four year old, which we have here, they have passions and goals and things. And I always tell people when I go into an arena, there's 20,000 people there. And I'll say, how many of you, if I ask for a volunteer, could come down here, sing or dance or draw a picture? And nobody will come down. If I had four year olds, they'll all come down. They'll all sing or dance or draw a picture or anything. We all have that passion, that creativity, that joy inside of us. 
and somehow in the process of becoming what we call adult, we lose that. Okay, so for my audience, for people who are sitting there and they're listening right now, yeah. and they're taking in what you're putting out. Right. How did you transition into living your passion or your purpose here? Well, you, you do it like you do anything else, one step at a time. I mean, I grew up here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. I had no goal or passion in my life as a young man other than to be an All-American football player and play in the NFL. And the coaches and scouts and people assured me I had the size and speed to go do that. And I figured I would end up making my living as a professional football player. Then one year when I went to uh, go play another season, uh, they make you get a physical exam before you go play football. They want to know that you're healthy before they take you out and try to kill you. Right. <laughs> so I, during this exam, it took a lot longer than I remembered it should. And, and finally, the doctor ran several tests and got a couple of his colleagues to confer. And the three doctors sat me down at a table, much like we're sitting at today, and told me, Jim, we're not sure why, we're not sure when, but we do know you're going to be totally blind and there's nothing we can do to help you. And I realized my passion died. My whole world stopped right there. And I had to go find another one and I discovered Olympic weightlifting and I got to uh, complete my career as a, as a national champion and uh, doing that. And then uh, I did in my 20s lose my sight and uh, during that process was very frustrated that I could no longer enjoy movies and television. and. Uh, so I developed a system so that blind people can access television by adding extra soundtracks uh, in between the dialogue of the shows and uh, opened a whole new world. And out of that success, I was asked to start making speeches and then encouraged to write a book and then the, the syndicated columns and then the movies came and now I get to talk to fun people like you. Can I ask you a very difficult question? Sure. And maybe you've talked about this before, I don't know, but if everything happens for a reason, Yeah. Right? Yeah. And you've been able to improve the lives for so many. Yeah. Do you think that's why you lost your sight for, um, you, to, for you to lead this effort or no? You know, possibly. I, I, I do believe that all things do work together for good. And, uh, you know, I'm not, <clears throat> you know, I don't feel disabled or, uh, or, or crippled or anything. I, I don't know anybody I would trade places with. I love my life. I love what I do all day, every day. I feel like I'm the luckiest guy on earth. So uh, it has served me well and served others well. Um, certainly I would love to be able to see, but I don't even think about it. I, you know, because of my books and book tours and promotions, I, I get to talk to wonderful interviewers like you every day or two. And other than, you know, having these kind of dialogues, which I welcome, I really don't think about it. It's, it has become uh, normal for me. This, it's, it just seems like this is uh, the way things work for me. So, uh, and the, the fact that that has opened doors for other people, I, I think I'm grateful to be a part of that. Let me ask you another question. Something we talk about on the show, because I really believe that your, your purpose, right, is a feeling rather than a role that you play. And right. I feel like, you know, you're talking about sports and then weightlifting and then it leads you to this business and all of these things are roles that you played sure but i feel like your purpose the feeling that you got from those things sure is is what you're still living today oh we do everything in our life to gain pleasure or avoid pain mm -hmm. i mean in the final analysis it's all about 
how that makes me feel. Even when we do something giving, loving, and unselfish, what we really like is the feeling that derives from that, or we feel like I'm the kind of person that would do that. So, yeah, it, it, it's hard to separate those things, but certainly um, having a purpose, feeling like this matters, uh, and watching it become valuable for other people gives me that feeling of, of significance. And I think that's what we all seek is that significance and service to others. Can you share with us a challenge you've had to overcome in order to live this passion slash purpose? Oh, many of them. I, you know, I remember waking up that morning, I was 29 years old, I couldn't see anymore. I realized I'm gonna to have to learn how to live as a blind person. And there were two big problems I immediately identified. One, I can't read. And number two, I can't drive. And then I had to realize I'm getting into method and not mission. See, that's where we break down. We think, well, if I can't read and I can't drive, I can't learn or go do the things I wanna do. Now, thanks to high-speed digital audio, I read a book every day for the last 26 years. There has not been a day I haven't read a whole book, cover wow. to cover. I read more than anybody I ever met. Right. And, and according to just one airline, I've traveled over two million miles. So the fact I can't drive certainly isn't keeping me at home. Right. So, you know, to, to sit there and say, okay, I can't read and I can't drive, no one wants to read or drive. They want to learn something and get where they want to be. And so, you know, people need to realize we're all about mission and, and don't get hung up about method. Them. There were eight million quarter-inch drill bits sold in America last year, and nobody wants a quarter-inch drill bit. They want the hole. I mean, if you could get the hole without having the drill bit, no one would ever buy them. It's a means to an end. And the things that we're not able to do are simply one way to do it, but they're, they're, they're not uh, the end of the line. They're the beginning of creativity. And you start to think, what other things could I do? And, you know, frankly, I, um, I've introduced an awful lot of people to audiobooks and how to speed them up. And uh, if I could suddenly see again today, I think I would continue with audiobooks. It's, just uh, it's a, changed my life. It's a vastly superior <laughs> way to get the information. Yeah, absolutely. What do you think you've learned most about yourself through all of this? Um, both being an athlete and then a business person. I know how far I'll go to get what I want. Mm -hmm. Most people never, ever get to the depth of their spirit or soul. When push comes to shove, they don't know how far they'll go. Right. I do. I remember the last time I ever competed as an Olympic weightlifter, and my coach, and Jake was a lot like Mickey from uh, Rocky, you mm -hmm. know, that little guy. Yep. Only you'd have to clean Jake up a little to get him even to that point. But, uh, <laughs> you know, he said, this is as far as you and I can go together. And he said, uh, he, you know, and uh, he said, but don't ever forget, a guy that can do what you can do can do anything. And, you know, lifting a lot of weight has very little to do with the way we live and move and have our being in the business world. But I know what I'll do, and I know how far I'll go, and I know when I tell myself I'm going to do something, I know what that means. And most people never do. They never have extended themselves beyond that place. And that's where we find the magic. When you hit the wall and you say, that's as far as I can go. And then all of a sudden you realize, maybe that's not as far as I can go. And I have a good friend, uh, he's a fellow member of the National Speakers Association. 
and he does these brainstorming sessions with corporate executives. And I was in one of his sessions once, just getting ready to go out in the arena and do my piece, and I saw him do something I'll never forget. He said, okay, in the next five minutes, write down every idea you have on this. And when you're done and you've thought of everything you can possibly think of, put your pencil down. Okay, all the pencils are now down. He said, now, I want everybody to write down three more ideas. Mm -hmm. Without thinking, everybody got and wrote three more ideas. And I thought that is the most amazing thing I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. And what if we just said, uh, okay, now, write two more. Write one more. I mean, there's always more to our capacity than we assume. So in that vein, what is the proudest thing you've ever done? What are you most proud of? Um, the, the, it all involves other people. The impact I've seen our work here have on other people. You know, when you write books you can't read that are maybe into movies you can't watch, but you see those impact people in amazing ways and, uh, you know, and get letters and calls and, you know, thousands of responses. Uh, that matters to me. And not so much how that made me feel. Those kind of things, when people said, oh, you spoke and it made me feel this. I tell them I'm very grateful that it made you feel that. I'll be even more grateful when you contact me in a year or two and let me know what that feeling caused you to do. Right. Because, uh, hey, feelings are great, grand and wonderful, but you can get a great feeling from a good movie um, or a good book or, or, you know. Coming from somebody who's written both. Yeah, and I mean, uh, <laughs> and those feelings are, and, 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 and I, don't, I don't belittle that. I mean, I always tell my movie partners, unless or until we can tell a great story, we don't earn the right to share our message. I mean, the first thing I wanna make sure that the millions of people that go to the movies do is uh, they get a good show for two hours for the eight or 10 bucks they spent. Um, and we owe them that. But beyond that, what they do with that feeling, what they do with that enlightenment is really what we're all about. And I'm all about so many of the same things that you're talking about, you know, having people live their passions, having people engaged in life, and having people act, a matter of fact, I, my thing is envision, explore, execute. So envision something for yourself first, right. like wear it, explore what it would take to do it, and then execute a plan. So what's that first step? What advice would you give my audience on that front? Envision, in, in visualizing something is just a matter of getting out of the way. And I had sight for the first part of my life. And when I lost my sight, I somehow captured vision. Uh, sight's a precious thing, but it pales in comparison to vision. Sight tells us where we are and what's around us, and that can be very convenient and helpful at certain times. <laughs> but vision tells we where we could be and what is possible, and uh, that is, 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 is much more powerful. The wisdom tells us that uh, people perish for lack of vision. We don't perish from lack of sight. We, we, we perish from lack of vision. And that is a natural thing. I wrote a book several years ago called The Lamp, and it was turned into a movie. We brought in Academy Award winner Lou Gossett Jr. to play this guy that came out of this uh, ugly $3 garage sale lamp. And he shows up with this couple, and you know they've lost their jobs, and they're going broke, and their marriage is bad. Everything's falling apart. And he said, I'm here to grant you three wishes of anything you ever wanted in your life that you couldn't get on your own. I'll give it to you. And they go through and decide they would like to have careers they love and have a great relationship and be very wealthy. And then, But in the process of discovering that, they discovered 
they could have had that anytime they wanted it. And the whole magic about the magic lamp is it's already there. You know, it, it's that going home to a place you've never been before. And uh, uh, that is the, the power of envisioning. But I, I play that lamp game sometimes with uh, very successful people and people that are just starting out that I have chance to coach or have a one-on-one -on -one session with. And I'll say, you can have three wishes of anything you want. The only catch is you got 30 seconds. At the end of 30 seconds, you don't get it anymore. And people who would struggle and whatever, somehow they get out of their own way and come up with these. If you could do anything you wanted to do, where do you see yourself? You got 30 seconds. And I have seen people come up with these amazing things because somehow that triggers the, the, the subconscious and you get out of the conscious and you think about it. It's like the, that mother that can lift a, a, a car off of their child. Um, they could have done that anytime they wanted. It's just that their conscience stopped them from doing that. But when you, when you, when you get that time frame on it and you kind of circumvent the system, you get to the subconscious and it's amazing what we can accomplish at that point. So to get everybody to act, is that what you think they should do first? Consider what, 30 seconds, what, what would they do if they could do anything? Well, if they don't have a goal. I mean, if you don't have a goal or passion, something, you know, if you were writing your obituary today, and hopefully they won't use it for 50 or 60 years, right. but if they were writing your obituary today, what matters to you? What is worth investing your life in? And I always tell people, if what you have now is not it, if you're not willing to say, this is why I was put on this planet, this lifestyle, this mission, this, this employment, this career, these relationships, if this isn't why I was put here, what is? What am I willing to invest my life in? Because uh, frankly, uh, whatever it is, you traded today to get it. And a lot of people aren't trading very well. They're not getting much for what they're paying. How would you compare your life without sight to your life with sight? Well, very, very different. I, I learned a lot through the process. It's hard to compare the two because uh, the process of going blind taught me a lot. You know, um, it's kind of like the difference between self-made millionaires, people that earn the money and create the business and become very, very wealthy versus people who win the lottery. And people win the lottery, lose the money, and it makes them very unhappy and it ruins their life in many cases. People who have earned the money, it doesn't happen. It's, it's the same money. It's the process taught them some lessons that uh, enable them to deal with it. The process of losing my sight um, gave me some tools that very few people have. That's why my first book was entitled, You Don't Have to Be Blind to See. Look at all this great stuff I learned, and hopefully you don't have to go blind to learn this great stuff and take my word for it. And, uh, you know, that book, uh, which I thought would be my only book ever, was the kind of the beginning. Isn't that amazing? Sure, and I never would have written that book, except I was backstage speaking at an arena event with uh, Dr. Robert Schuler and Dennis Waitley, and they, the two of them really twisted my arm to write a book. I'd have never done it without those guys. Can you do me a favor? Share your website address so everybody can look up all the fabulous things you do. Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, jimstovall.com. Okay, awesome. And before I leave you today, can you please share the story with my audience that you told me before the interview started that included Howard Stern? Well, we, we, we were talking... In your two interviews that we... Yeah, we were talking before this interview, and you were, you know, I was telling you I've, I've been interviewed by, oh, everybody you can imagine, and I've done Larry King and Good Morning America and all those shows, but I did... Uh, 
uh, Reverend Billy Graham and uh, Howard Stern in the same week. And uh, I remember being on with Dr. Graham and we met before the show started. And I had actually met him when I was a little tiny kid. I was six, seven years old. And here at, uh, in Tulsa at Oral Roberts University, he was there at the dedication. My parents took me to that and they stood in line forever so I could meet him. I had no idea who this man was. And so when he said, oh, Jim, it's nice to meet you here for the interview, I said, well, we've actually met once, but you wouldn't remember it. And he said, well, tell me where we met. And I told him we met at the founding of the university. And he says, well, what did you think when you met me? And I said, well, as a little kid, I gotta be honest, I was really disappointed because when they told me your name was Billy Graham, I thought you'd invented the graham cracker. And I, and I thought, now that's a good thing to do. I mean, that's an important thing. And then when they told me you were just a preacher, I, I was kind of let down, you know. And then I was on with Howard Stern, and Howard asked me, is there anything good about being blind? And I said, sure, there's no, uh, there's no cloudy days or ugly women. So that's, um, and I still believe that, and it uh, still works for me. I love it. I love it so much. Um, before we go, do you have any final thoughts for my audience? Yeah, I have written a syndicated column that goes around the world throughout North America, Europe, and Asia. I've written it for 20 years, and uh, they've already filled three books of those columns and more coming. And it's my ideas or thoughts or wisdom, but they all end with the exact same phrase. Today's the day. It doesn't matter what went before, the wisdom or the thought or the tip or whatever it may be. If you don't do it today, it don't make any difference. And you know, one of my favorite historical characters was uh, General George Patton, who said, a good plan violently executed today is better than a perfect plan next week. And people know what to do. Everybody watching us now, they know what to do to be more successful. They know what to do to begin solving their problems. But we don't fail because we don't know what to do. We fail because we don't do what we know. Why do you think they're not doing it? Um, they don't see the connection. They don't, you know, and, but I came here to visit with you and share this message of today's the day. If you have a goal, a passion, a dream, something you want to be, do, or have in your life that is not currently a reality, there's something you're supposed to do today. Maybe it's read a book, maybe it's start meeting somebody. Don't ever take advice from anybody that doesn't have what you want. Find somebody that has what you want and go ask them how to get it and do something today. Don't let another day go by without you getting closer to your goal because every night when your head hits the pillow, you're either one day closer or one day farther from everything you ever wanted. You know, I spent a lot of time during this interview nodding, <laughs> just so you know. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much You're for great. meeting for appreciate me today. It. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for listening to today's episode. I have come to be known as the 50 States in 90 Days Lady, a concept that is unfathomable to most. If you would like me to come speak at your event about how to envision, explore, and execute a plan, or how to create a life that is more exciting or more meaningful. You can find me at MotivateMePodcast.com. And the world keeps turning and I just keep moving along.